Thanks for listening to Allyship is a Verb, the LGBTQ plus podcast that explores and humanizes practicing allyship for the LGBTQ plus community and beyond. I am your host, Chris Angel, and my pronouns are they, them. On the last episode, we met Jose. Hi, folks. I'm Jose Savinsky. My pronouns are she and her. What's one allyship tip you'd like for everyone listening to consider? We really need to expand our views in terms of how sexuality shows up for folks, how their sexual orientation shows up. We need to really think outside of this like binary of people are gay or straight. And that's like, you know, the very much the predominant narrative. And that harms so many people for so many different reasons. And not just, again, not just by folks, but um, really folks of, of various sexual orientations. Um, so yeah, so I would, I would encourage people to to get really curious about the assumptions that they make, um, even when they're, for example, like watching a TV show, right? And there is a, a couple that they might assume is like a queer couple or a lesbian couple, right? And be like, oh, wait a minute. I know nothing about these people's genders. I know nothing about their sexual orientation. I'm 100% assuming based on like previous narratives that I've absorbed. So that would be one one thing that I would encourage folks to do is is actively seek out opportunities to like question their assumptions that they make. Inspired by our conversation, I feel moved to talk more about coming out. Coming out is layered and nuanced. It refers to when someone comes out of the closet and shares about their identity or identities within the LGBTQ plus community. This can also include a name and pronoun sets. Coming out isn't easy because a lot must be considered. What's interesting about this is that our society assumes straight or heterosexual is the default. When we hear people use the term heteronormative, that means denoting or relating to a worldview that promotes heterosexuality as the normal or preferred sexual orientation. You are straight until proven otherwise. (laughs) This is a harmful assumption because it puts further onus on the LGBTQ plus community members to feel pressure to come out. Coming out is complicated. Although we have National Coming Out Day on October 11th, it is a privilege to come out. Not everyone has this opportunity. It doesn't look the same for everyone. If you work with youth, or maybe you're a younger listener, youth have to really wrestle with staying in the closet or not, because if they are financially dependent upon their family, they may have to wait. In the United States, while 18 is considered old enough to move out, college complicates this further. Youth are dependent on their families for federal student aid until the age of 24. Then they're looking at age 26 if they want to stay on their family's health insurance. That's a huge chunk of their life to stay in the closet. What about dating, social media? It's gotten increasingly more complicated to hide things. If you're a young person, if you work directly with youth, or have any youth in your life who are considering coming out, the most critical thing is to come up with a safety plan. Although it's an unfortunate reality that someone may have to plan for the worst, 
it's easier to go into the coming out process with a safety plan than nothing at all. If you or a young person you're working with has any reason to believe their family may reject them, especially if they are financially dependent upon them, I highly advise against coming out. Instead, partner up with a trusted adult to see about ways to find safer spaces. I'll be including resources on the episode page on the podcast's website. And although at the time of recording this, it's the year 2021, we still don't have federal protections. That's why we need the Equality Act. The Equality Act would provide consistent and explicit non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ people across key areas of life. That includes employment, housing, credit, education, public spaces and services, federally funded programs, and jury service. Imagine living somewhere where you can be fired for being gay, or in some places, even for just being perceived to be gay. Being denied housing. Being turned away from medical care because it's against the doctor's religion. Not being able to adopt when so many youth need a home. There are even states and territories where people claim gay or trans panic defense to justify their actions. I'm now going to take a moment to read from the Movement Advancement Project's website, which features maps and issues impacting the LGBTQ community. The so-called gay and trans panic defenses are legal strategies which, according to the American Bar Association, seek to partially or completely excuse crimes such as murder and assault on the grounds that the victim's sexual orientation or gender identity is to blame for the defendant's violent reaction. Research by the Williams Institute shows that no state recognizes gay and trans panic defenses as freestanding defenses under their respective penal codes, but Defendants have used panic defenses in conjunction with other defense strategies to attempt to reduce the severity of their charges or sentencing. These defenses are based in irrational fears and prejudice toward LGBTQ people, and they imply that violence against LGBTQ people is acceptable or understandable under certain conditions. The American Bar Association issued a unanimous resolution in 2013 calling on federal, tribal, state, local, and territorial governments to prohibit the use of this defense. But many states still permit this practice. There's some countries where the LGBTQ community is outright hunted down. Let's stop saying who cares when someone comes out. Let's stop assuming straight is a default. Let's stop making assumptions or gossiping about people, including sharing if someone came out to you if you don't have consent to share it with others. Let's stop saying, but you look straight. These practices are really harmful. And now that you have a slightly better idea, hopefully, of some of the issues that can impact LGBTQ plus community members, maybe you can see now why these kinds of assumptions are harmful and wrong. Instead of journaling today, I am asking you to help us get the Equality Act passed in the Senate. Please go to the website for where and how you can take action here in the United States. If you live outside of the United States, I also encourage you to seek out what's happening in your country and see how you can get involved to increase the protections for the LGBTQ community. Don't forget to check local efforts, too, like in your state or city. As I round out this episode... 
I don't want to paint a picture that we're always going to be under attack, that we will always have laws that are discriminatory or no protections in place. I also don't want to make any claims that we're just going to be doomed no matter what. That's not what this episode is getting at. I also don't think it's helpful to claim that folks are so brave or resilient for overcoming any of the things that I've mentioned in this episode. There's many LGBTQ plus community members who are actually quite offended if you call them brave, because for us, we're just trying to live our lives and we don't feel like we have a choice. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while now, you'll know that I use the term inviting in. This is a term that is starting to resonate with folks more and more because it does feel like inviting folks in to know a fuller, richer, deeper version of who we are. And it's also a reality that not everyone deserves to have access to that kind of information. So please remember that coming out is a very personal decision and no one owes you their story or their identities. Visit allyshipisaverb.com for any resources and a full transcript of the episode. Thank you for practicing allyship with me. And please give this podcast a review on Apple Podcasts.